Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. Buying your first home can be overwhelming, but here are five tips to make the process go smoother. Number one, find a lender, me, Ed Locke, that can answer any questions you might have and help you get pre-approved. There are multiple options available based on your situation. Number two, work with a real estate agent you can trust. Number three, don't rush the process. Take your time and know that the process could take some time. Number four, consider all the costs. Number five, get a home inspection and review it with your realtor. Keep these tips in mind, budget for yourself, and you'll be that much closer to making your dream of homeownership a reality. So reach out to me at 502-680-0953. NMLS ID 448-908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, NMLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity. Hey guys, welcome to Newsworthy, where tonight we explore the Diatlov Pass incident. I'm ready. Jerry's ready. Jerry, hit the music. have scoured the podcast world, you have finally found the place where news is weighed in the balance. Welcome to Newsworthy with Stephen Jerry, two words and two question marks. Jerry, I yes, got a Steve. great text from one of my great friends today. Awesome. You know what, what did it say? You know, because I often start off with saying what today is. That's right. You know what today is? What is today? Today is a birthday, a very special birthday of something that I know that you love, that is near and dear to your heart, um, that you have to touch, feel, or taste probably every other day. Okay. Today is is the birthday of spam. Spam. And I'm not talking about the emails you don't want in your your inbox. I'm talking about the good stuff. (laughs) <laughs> what was that one spam flavor that we talked about oh, a long that, time oh, ago? Oh. <laughs> I know it was disgusting, but I don't remember. It was a dessert flavor, if I'm not was mistaken. It? I think it was around Christmas time. Yeah. I don't what recall. was that? I don't remember. Just whatever it was, it was nasty. <laughs> yeah. Nasty. When was the last time you had spam? Uh, Probably... Three, four years ago. Mine would be more than five, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm like you, I get a, as we Kentuckians like to say, a hankering for it <laughs> ever so often, but it's not very often. It, it, it has, like when I had it, it has to be, I have to, you can read the Lord's Prayer through it. It's so thin when I cut it. Do you fry, fry it? it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah fry, fry it. Put it on with an egg and a, yeah. I like it fried with egg, cheese, and, and a tomato. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Once yeah. every four or five years, and I'm good to go for it. <laughs> yes, I am. I just figured you would love that the, the day was the birthday of that. When I got that text, I was like, oh, that makes Jerry so happy. I don't know why, but for some reason, that reminds me of my dad joke for tonight. Already? All right. Just your, your story, your spam story reminded me of my dad joke. I'll go ahead and tell it since I mentioned that it reminded Ooh. me of it. 
Did you know the tequila may not fix your life? No. But it's worth a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Tequila would probably go a long way in fixing a meal with spam. So it's also a day that, hey, I saw saw fire. Anyway, I can't remember. Fire for fire. Sofo fire for fire. Interesting. Anyway, today is also one of my days, Jerry. It's National Workaholics Day. Because I feel (laughs) like I have a problem. (laughs) Yep. I think think that my ability to not shut down is a problem. And I don't know what to do about that or to fix it. But uh, uh, I'm working on it. I'm trying to... I'm trying to find some balance. You know what I mean? Balance is good. Balance is very necessary. But. In um, everything. It is. uh, But here's the thing. If I'm not doing something constructive, work or work or the podcast, I am doing something not constructive. Now, wasn't that a brilliant statement? Very much so. (laughs) And why does it have to be one or the other? There's no middle ground here. Well, that's what I'm trying to find. See, I have, we're, we're in my home office right now right. in our studio. And if you look around here, there are a million hobbies forgotten that I just got to remember that I enjoy. I don't think that's memory related. I think this, the forgotten ones are far more ADHD related. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You get into it. Oh, there's a butterfly. Exactly. <laughs> Let me go over here. Exactly. That's just what I'm saying. So, yes. You need to work on finding that balance. So, <laughs> okay. So, I don't have so much of a dad joke as a regular joke tonight. Go for it. So, I rubbed the lamp and the genie came out, right? Okay. And he says, you have three, you have three wishes. Right. There's only three rules. Three rules for yeah. the three wishes. Yeah. There's no, you can't ask for death. Okay. You can't ask to uh, love somebody, you know, to fall in love. And you can't ask for three more wishes. Okay. So I thought for a minute and yes, I was like, four. I was like, okay, how about, I wish that every time you lick an envelope, it moans. The gene looks at me and said, now there's four rules. <laughs> yeah, can imagine. Can you imagine yeah. like being at the office? <laughs> oh, oh, there's George over there. He's got the, uh, the bill invoices going out. <laughs> I probably could imagine. I would seriously prefer not to. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure this is the uh spam flavor that i talked about Iggy pudding yes that was it oh yeah that looks nasty yeah that figgy oh, yeah. pudding made out of ham spam limited Ish. edition figgy pudding let me scroll down and tell you the flavors involved in this night oh do you have to no please let me it has a di- as well as the original spam flavors. It also has fig and orange flavors, cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, ginger, and allspice. 
And as always, it's shelf-stable for the next 49 years in case of the apocalypse. 49 I, I years. Made up the oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, that's terrible. Who the hell is going to sit around and be like, oh, I don't have much. Oh, wait, here's some spam. From Second only to 1960. Right? I'm good. <laughs> what was the name of that horror movie? Uh, where they were going around trying to find more Twinkies? Woody Harrelson. Oh, oh, oh Zombie Land. Okay. Double Tap. Movie. I love that movie. That was crap. Yeah. One of, one of their best. Yeah. One of their best. Man. All right. Well, no more uh, disgusting things like figgy pudding. We Thank you. We appreciate that. that very much. That's good. Well, I shouldn't say that. With the topic we have tonight, there's going to be some additional disgusting things that we bring up and mention. Yeah. Much worse than piggy pudding. Exactly. But you know what? That's okay. Because tonight's, you know, we strive to respond to our our listeners. And the numbers overwhelmingly no. say that they really enjoy when we do conspiracy theories. Yes, they do. But we don't want to do your usual... Um, run of the mill. Run of the mill. This one is, is a little more obscure. Very um, so. For our... Neck of the woods for yeah, part of the world. Yeah. Um, in fact, when they were asking me at work today what the what this was going to be about, I told them, and they're like, well, "I've never heard of that." I was like, "We should tune in and listen." I'm going to go take care of Ramona because she's having a meltdown. And I'll tell right them how back. they can contact yeah, us if they do. so wish, and we certainly hope they do. They have a couple of choices. They can email us at newsworthy with Steve and Jerry at gmail.com. You can also text us on our text line. At area code 540-709-1318. We would certainly love to hear your suggestions, your ghost stories, or your suggestions for additional topics. As team mentioned earlier, we're going to be discussing the Dyatlov incident. And I'll try to not steal too much of his thunder, but I'll give you a brief breakdown for those people that have never heard of it. In 1959, there were... 10 experienced hikers that set out. One had to turn back on the very first day, and nine of them continued. Nine young, experienced, well, uh, in great shape, young people. 20, almost every single one of them was 20 to 25. There was one in the early 30s, and you're back, so I'll let you tell the rest of the interview. Yeah, no, he was, he was in his 30, he was 38, I believe, the oldest, I the leader too. of the group, and the past no, wasn't is, the leader. He was the leader not. was 23. Okay. Well, the 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 leader is the reason that these this was named the yep. uh, Dyatlov. Thank you. It's a hard word to say. Dyatlov Pass. Um, so these guys, a little bra- background. You already covered who it was and where Just, they were going. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny bit of. No, I didn't even tell them where they're going. I haven't even got to the country yet. So each of these members, if you're a hiker, if you're an average average hiker that that goes worldwide to hike, hiking is a lot like rapids. You get graded. Um, I think three is the highest you can go. Maybe it's four. But every member of this organization that was going or this group was at least a, a graded two hiker. So it's not like anything that they've, it wasn't, there was no inexperienced people here in hiking if you're a hiker in Russia and in this particular, the Ural Mountains, um, you know what to expect, period. You know. <laughs> Igor was 23. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, 
But there was, yeah, 38 was the oldest. Yeah. So you you know that there's snow and opportunities for um, lake. It's not lake effect snow, but it, what is that called? Where the When I lived in Idaho, we had to deal with it a lot of times on the passes going out of the town that I lived in, where the snow from the top just it, it doesn't avalanche, but it just blows down. And then it'll fill a road, and they'd have to send a crew out to clear the road. Yeah. But your experience, you you know all of this stuff. And these guys were all um, very experienced. Um, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. I had to catch up with my own visuals there. <laughs> these guys were going to go. And they had agreed, one of the things, I guess there was weather um, supposed to be in the area. They had to agree to go up as part of going up. As soon as they got to their, their summit, their, their beginning point, they were going to radio in and said, hey, we made it fine. That radio call never came. Um, uh, basically, <laughs> uh, they ran into a blizzard. They had to cut into the side of the mountain to make a tent, uh, to make a place to sleep. Which that was not part of the blizzard. That was just part of the original plan. Right. right. If you decide you, you can't put a tent up on a, you know. On the side of the mountain, all of y'all be laying on it. <laughs> so they just dug into it enough to have a level spot for the tent. Yep, yep. No biggie. Now, see, when I was young and I was camping, I never had that intelligence level. But I never. I just always slid down to the other side of the tent. Really, <laughs> I would just keep going until I found the level spot. <laughs> well, I didn't say I was very smart there. <laughs> so anyway, um, at some point during the night is where things took a turn for the worse. Um, and we know some facts based on the evidence. And then... There are some things that we have no clue about based on the evidence. Um, and we're going to try to put it all out as a factual as we can. And then at the end, me and Jerry's kind of got our own theories about what actually happened because there's some really weird things. I so, don't really have my own theory. No. I don't know. There's the most prevalent one that I'll sure. talk about, but I still don't know. Um, so basically, they, they leveled off. They got into the tent. Anyone who's ever camped in cold weather or been exposed to cold weather knows that you have to, it's kind of counter, what's the word I'm looking for? Counterintuitive. But when you go into a sleeping bag, you should not wear all of your clothes because it will make you colder. Um, So the guys and the girl, was it two girls? Two girls. Yeah. Seven guys, two girls. They all got in their sleeping bags. They're in the tent. At some point during the night, um, something happened. Um, something happened to the point it scared these Can people. Can I stop you for one sure, second? Absolutely. Have we told them where this was at? Ural Mountains happened? in Russia. And the Ural Mountains is in the northern part of Russia. Very cold country. We're in the northern part of Russia. The Ural Mountain chain is a long chain. This happened in the northern part of the yeah. Ural Mountain Range, which is in the northern part of Russia. Yeah. Temperature that night in the closest city, negative 25 degrees <laughs> Celsius, which is the which is negative 13 degrees Fahrenheit. 
So, so it's about what my house feels like right negative now. Negative 13 degrees, <laughs> which really becomes important when we tell you later how some of these bodies were found. Yes, absolutely. So negative 13 degrees. So at some point during the night, something happened. And we'll get back to the something that happened very soon. But something happened that possessed these people, these very experienced hikers, to not go out the front door of their tent, but to cut through the back of their tent and the top of their tent and run into the wild in the middle of a blizzard with just their underwear. Part of them. Part of them. Barefoot. Um, Two, two were barefoot. One had one shoe and nothing on the other one. Yeah. And I can't, let me just stop there with the facts for just saying, I can't imagine (laughs) what in the world would make me so scared that I'm not at least going to use the door on my tent. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to render my tent useless by ripping, either cutting or ripping the back of the tent wide open and running out. And two of the guys barefooted in underwear. Yeah. If, if, even if they were scared for a minute or two, why would you ruin the only shelter that you have? That maybe I'll give you an example. When I was in Boy Scout camp years and years and years ago, me and a guy, Leif Sanders, were in our, our tent. We shared a tent. And these were the old army type tents that had an opening at the front and the back. Well, it was hot, so those were both open. Right. Middle of the night, Leaf had left some uh, stuff on the floor, and we had a visitor that was black and had white stripes that go down <laughs> his back. Very nice. Yeah. So we were scared to death. I'm sure. Right? We didn't rip. We didn't rip the tent to pieces to get out of there. Yeah. To run away barefooted. Because Even we knew it was decent weather. We we were going to come back to the tent. These yep. people were so scared, so afraid, so... I just can't imagine the level of fear that would cause this to be the case. Anyway, back to the, back to the facts. So, like Jerry said, negative 13 degrees. We've got people in all varying degrees of non-being clothed. <laughs> Um, not, not a single one of them was clothed anywhere near the condition what it takes to survive for a couple right. of hours in that right. area. And eventually, because of that, hyperthermia was at least a contributing cause to most of their deaths. Um, the main cause for six, I think it said. Yeah. But contributing cause to all. So now, spoiler alert, all nine of these folks died. Yep. No one got away. That's why we truly don't know what happened. Um, But that's important because of the way they died, the locations to where they died in in regards to the tent. Um, So the route was actually uh, the nearest city to this area is called, and I want to butcher the name and I apologize. So verse. So we'll say Verdlovsk. Better than I could do with it. <laughs> so Verdlovsk. Our name, our, our tongues aren't meant to say some of these words, I think. The only reason I can pronounce Dyatlov is I Googled Dyatlov <laughs> pronunciation and listened to it about 20 times. There you go. Um, so anytime you were doing a hike in this area, 
the route had to be approved by the city commission. That's how treacherous this area is. You couldn't go up there. If me and you went there, we couldn't just walk up in this area. They'd tell us, no, go home. Till the same <laughs> way today. Right. So um, the goal uh, was to reach um, a particular mountain, the Otorton Mountain. It's a mile, 6.2 miles north of the site where the incident happened. They were six miles from their end goal. Yeah. yeah. Um, the entire route was deemed a Category 3, which is what these guys were trying to attain. They were trying to get their Category 3 hikers um, grade. And it was undertaken in February, the absolute worst time to traverse. Um, but they were issued their route book. Um, it listed their course. They were actually following what was called the Number 5 Trail. Um, and they approved for 11 people. One of the people was certified to go, actually uh, bailed. The other one, like Jerry said, was sick. So it ended up being nine. Uh, we don't care how they got there, do we, Jerry? Because we're getting. Um, but so, Jerry, lead us into what was found. And they didn't find these folks. Was it what? the search started sixteen days? I think. Yeah, after sixteen days after they had left. Um, and it was another. They got there and found the tent, I believe, the first day or second day. I think it's the first day. And it was another day or two before they found the first bodies. It was, I think, nine days before the last of the bodies were found, nine days after the search party got there. Yeah. So it was almost a month, very yeah. close to a month from the time they left before all the bodies were found. Right. But uh, on on February 26th, the, searcher, the searchers, the first group of searchers, uh, found the group's abandoned tent, and it was on, and I'm not going to say this word either, it's Kolat Sikal. Now, what does that mean? Basically means Silent Peak or Dead, Dead Mountain. Mountain. Yep. Um, it was the original spot they were going to camp before finishing up and going on to the main mountain. Yep. Uh, probably a wise thing to uphold old names they're called that for a reason <laughs> I, I would have had a like uh could we go like a mile this way away from the dead peak? the literal translation is dead mountain yeah due to a tribe of indigenous people to that area that lived nearby they had named it so but when they asked them to explain the way they explained it was not dead mountain it was mountain of the dead yeah so yes supposedly many many people had died here going back way back well that was loud sorry <laughs> um one of the theories and we're gonna get to a bunch of theories is exactly what you said right there um but we'll get back to that in just a sec so um the first people like you said had found the tent what the campsite completely baffled the search party um, Mikhail Sharvian, a Sheravin, I guess that's a better way of putting it. Sheravin was the student that found the tent. He said the tent was torn down and covered with snow. It was empty on all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Investigators said that the tent had been cut open from the inside 
and nine sets of footprints left by people wearing only socks or a single shoe or even barefooted could be followed, leading down the edge toward a nearby wood. The opposite side of the pass, to the northeast, these tracks were covered with snow. At the forest edge, under a large Siberian pine, researchers found the visible remains of a small fire. And they found the first two bodies. And I'm not going to pronounce these young men's names or woman's name because I can't and I don't want to do them injustice. Shoeless, dressed only in their underwear, and the branches on the tree were broken up up to five meters high, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something, perhaps the camp between the pine and the, the between the pine and the camp. The searchers found three more corpses. Gosh, this is hard for me to read today. Um, three more people who died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. They were found at distances of 300, 480, and 600 meters from the tree where the fire was. So either they were in a panic or it was so, the conditions were so bad they couldn't see the small fire only 300 meters away. And the fire itself brings up a lot of questions for me. These people didn't take time to put on shoes. These people right. didn't put on pants and shirts in some cases. Two of the people were found barefooted wearing underwear. Not put on a piece of clothing. None of them were fully dressed. But someone took means to start a fire. <laughs> where, where did you keep that? <laughs> right? Did you, yeah. Did you tuck it in your whitey tie? <laughs> I don't get why you would stop to, if you're going to grab something, why not some clothes instead of. And if you're that scared, why are you going to run such a small distance? Right, yes. Relatively speaking. I think it was only one, one and a half and kilometers. And then start a fire where the woods began their yeah. forest. So, yeah, they didn't go that far away from whatever terrified the holy crap out of them. It was insane to me. It took the remaining tra four travelers, I'm sorry, the the last four of the, the members, it took them more than two months to find them. Um, and that's because they were basically under 13 feet of snow. We're talking about the Ural Mountains, northern Russia, Everybody knows how bad the snow and everything is there. These guys were in a ravine 75 meters or 246 feet further into the woods away from the, the original pine tree with the fire. Um, they're in a ravine. It could easily be, you know, like you was talking about, not an avalanche, but sometimes snow just starts. Yeah. If it's steep, could have easily covered them up. Wind and snow does this. Yes. We see that driving down the road, you know. Um However, three of those four were better dressed than the others. There were signs that some clothing of those who had died first had been removed for use by the others, as opposed to going back to the tent, which, again, if you can find the others, how can you not, would you, why would you not go on back to your tent and get your clothes? It's only 200 meters from the tent. And you're talking about <laughs> these guys that were covered with 13 feet of snow, the tent was not covered at all. Parts of the tent was yeah, covered, right. but parts of the tent was still visible. That's, That's how they how found, they it, found so it. Right. So 16 days later, it hadn't snowed enough to totally cover the tent. But they chose for whatever reason to, like you're saying, 
not go back where all the supplies were to get anything. They did not venture in that direction. So one of the people was wearing one of the other people's, and I, again, I'm not going to say these names. I can't say them. Um, not because I, I don't want to try. It's just I feel like it's disrespectful if I just get them completely wrong. I don't want to do that. One of the people's was actually wearing the burned, torn trousers that she had taken off somebody else. And her left foot had a shoe and her sh- her left foot and shin were ra- the other left one foot had a shoe the other one her left foot was wrapped in a torn jacket <laughs> so she at least tried to cover up yep. with what she had but again probably succumbed to hypothermia so that's the setup that's where everybody's been found and and what had happened in the middle of the night um when the investigation starts Things start to get weird. Yep. <laughs> really weird. Hypothermia, that's not weird. No. You're in negative double-digit temperatures. The You're fact that underwear. they froze to death, even if they were fully clothed, if you don't have sufficient warmth and you're by yourself and you don't have a tent, you don't have something to protect you from the elements, you can easily freeze to death. Right. That's not the weird part. Yeah, hypothermia can happen at your local lake when it's sure. 40 degrees and your kayak falls, tips you over into the water. And you lose all your stuff. Right. Just saying. So the hypothermia wasn't the weird part. <laughs> what was the weird part that began to okay. turn up? So there's lots of weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just kind of go down the list. So one of the bodies had a small crack in his skull, although it was not thought to be a fatal wound. Okay. A crack in his skull. <laughs> An examination of the four bodies found in May shifted the narrative of the incident a little bit. These three of these hikers had fatal injuries. Um, No major skull damage. Um, Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, Brig Knowles had major skull damage. Yes. Um, And the two others that were with him had major chest fractures. Now, these were the ones that went the farthest away. So there was a, a one of the documentaries I, I watched say that leading up to this said that um, they thought that the ones that had the most damage were actually pulled from the tent. And I don't believe you would pull those people the furthest away from the tent. I don't see how that happens. But <laughs> Pulled by who? By what? Exactly. <laughs> Um, so let's keep going. So we had so far, we've got one yeah. small crack in his skull. We've yeah. got one with major skull damage. Uh, and two that had major, major chest, chest fractures. Rib, broken ribs, yeah. all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, the force required to cause such damage would have been uh, extremely high compared to that of a car crash. Um, the bodies had, here's, here's where it gets weird to me. Okay. Yep. They had all this massive damage. The external wounds, there was no external wounds. There was no bruises. There was no... Um, Not a single defensive wound was found on any of the nine. Any of None. Them. Right. Um, <laughs> and that, whew, I don't know. If you get hit by a car, it would seem that you would have some sort of external damage. Yep. 
Um, and the prevailing, which you're going to get to, I think, or the one, one of the prevailing theories. Uh, theories, I think this part of it proves that theory wrong, personally. Just saying. Um, all four bodies that were found at the bottom of the creek in a running stream had soft tissue damage to their head and face. Um, and this is where it gets really kind of weird. <laughs> and not only kind of weird, kind of gross. So if you have small kids, you might want to put... If figgy <laughs> pudding spam bothers you, this one really will. Yeah, it's pretty gross. So one of the young ladies was missing her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips, as well as facial tissue and one fragment of skull bone. <laughs> Not her whole skull. It hadn't been ripped apart. It was missing a fragment. Um, one of the other gentlemen had was missing an eyeball. One of the other gentlemen was, and I don't know how this happens, was missing his eyebrows. Yep. Both of them. And we're not talking, the weird thing was when we say eyebrows, we're not talking like half his forehead. It was very specific in just his eyebrows which leads credit to more theories, which we'll get to in a little while. <laughs> um, here's the weird thing. Um, forensic experts performing the post-mortem examination judged that these injuries happened post-mortem due to the locations of the bodies in the stream. Here's the problem with that. Even in a stream, there isn't anything moving around that's going to eat that particular parts of your body. I, I, I can't I imagine it. <laughs> but here's what it does say when it's post-mortem. Could have been two totally separate things. Incidents. It sure. could have been whatever happened that scared the hell out of them, that made them run away, that made them freeze to death. And then some of this possibly, we don't know. This happened in 1959, guys, and it's not been solved by now. It never will be. Right. So th there's no way to prove it, but it could have been something totally separate. We don't so, know. yeah. <laughs> so at this point, I think it's probably safe that we can probably start. Um, yeah, lake effect, kind of. Um, talking about what... Uh, what we think happened, what One, some of the before, theories, yeah, before we do that, let's also mention something, uh, the radioactivity, the radiation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's important. Radiation ahead, was found in, I think, two or three, maybe four of their clothing. Not extremely high levels, but some levels of radiation were found in clothing on numerous individuals, but not all. One of the nine individuals tested for extremely high levels of radiation themselves. Do we know which not one the other that eight? was? I, I think I read, but I did not make a note of which one. That's fine. Um, but it was one. Out of nine. Out of nine. They left together. For all we know, everything in, looks like they stayed together. They, they, they weren't going off on, you know, separate. Oh, I'll take this path. No, right. They're out in the middle of the wilderness and they're staying together for survival. And one ended up with extremely high levels of radiation. It Three is. or four more had, you know, medium levels of radiation in their clothing. Just weird. 
is strange. I have two. So we'll, let's talk about some of the theories. Okay. We'll just we'll just throw some of the theories out there. Now, well, some of these are crazy. We know this. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> you know, but there's so many theories about what happened, and it's allowed because no one survived. Everything's a guess. And I will say this. The Russian government made this far, far worse than it should have been by tightly controlling the narrative, by not allowing journalists to come in. They actually closed down the entire area for three years. Yeah. You you don't just hide evidence, prohibit. It was locked in a, I was just reading that, that it was actually the evidence, all evidence pertaining to this incident was locked in their secret archives. Yeah. And there, here's what the original investigation in 1959 found, and it was closed pretty quickly. But the original Russian investigation concluded that a compelling natural force, end quote, had caused the deaths. They didn't even elaborate on what type of natural force it was. I, that's all they said, compelling natural force. Now, there was enough talk, enough. Yeah, th- there's nine people's families. These are well-to-do, well-known. All nine of these were the member of some, uh, was it the Euro Polytechnic Institute? Yeah, they were all educated. Yeah, they were all smart, well-to-do families, and they're suddenly dead. So you got a lot of people asking questions. Well, in, night, in 2015, Russia reopened the investigation, and that went on until 2019, and they concluded that an avalanche had probably led to the deaths. They said, we're not positive, but we think it's the most likely scenario. And actually, several different groups around the world, some from the United States, some from Sweden, have done investigations. And that is the most common, is saying that we believe that it could have been an avalanche. There's also a... Avalanche doesn't explain how some of them are missing eyeballs. It doesn't suck eyeballs. It doesn't pull eyebrows off people's faces. It could do several of the injuries, the the ribs being crushed, the skull. It can do that. You know, you, you take a block of ice. I did look this up. A one meter, a one cubic meter block of ice weighs 900 kilograms, roughly 2,000 pounds. Yeah. That can do a ton of damage. It sure. can crush skulls. It can't pull eyeballs out of the sockets. And it can't give you a dose of radiation. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't think- it can't cause people to run down a mountain and light a fire and sit there and freeze to death beside a fire yeah. wearing underwear. Exactly. There, there's so much to this. Um, so, quick recap. Six of the group members died of hypothermia. Three of completely different fatal injuries. Physical. Physical injuries. There were no indications of other people nearby apart from the nine tra- travelers. The tent had been ripped open from within. The, the victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal according to contents of their stomach. Um, Victims, oh, I'm sorry. Traces of the camp show that group, all group members left the campsite of their own accord. They weren't, they weren't dragged. They weren't pulled away and they all left on foot. Something scared the holy hell out of them. Something scared the absolute hell out of them. There were some levels of radiation found on one victim's clothing. By some, they mean quite a bit. Um, And, one of the things that the Russian, you were talking about the Russian um, covering things up, to dispel the theory of an attack of the indigenous Manzi people, uh, they stated that the fatal injuries on the three bodies could not have been caused by human beings. 
because the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Um, released documents contain no information about the conditions of the skier's internal organs, um, and there were no survivors. So this is where conspiracy theories are born. Sure. You get a nick, you get a nugget. Sure. And then you start putting pieces together that try to make sense. And then you got a government trying to hide and cover up and closing down the sure. Yeah. You know, one of the theories is something called hypothermic dementia, which is a loss of intellectual functioning due to extreme cold. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Ramon's <laughs> over here shaking hands with Steve. <laughs> But hypothermic dementia makes sense. It does. For one, what are the odds that nine people at the, again, hypothermic dementia is when you get so cold that you have a loss of brain activity and you begin to do crazy, stupid things. Uh, One thing that's closely related to that is called paradoxical undressing, which says that it's possible to get so disoriented from extreme cold that you begin believing that you're overheating and you start taking your clothes off, thinking that you're burning up. I, I, I can buy that for one, but what are the odds that nine experienced people who have been in similar situations many times all get the same thing at the same moment? It's, it's, there's no way. Again, I can see this happening, whether it's hypothermic dementia, whether it's paradoxical undressing. I, I can buy that for one. Yeah. Possibly two. Nine people have done no. this many times. There's no, no way. I don't I don't one of the more common conspiracy related theories that has some love. Yeah, they're just gonna keep barking. They're gonna it's gonna be that night. Ramona is having a fit. Yeah. Just open the door and let it But there's many people on the conspiracy theory line of thought that believes that there was a failed Russian rocket launch in the area. They do know that the military was testing some equipment in the general area, and especially after Russia closed down the entire area for three years, there's a bunch of people that believes that there was an R-12 liquid single-stage medium-range ballistic missile who misfired. Uh, They think that the testing happened. They know that the testing happened within range of the mountains. They know that it involves nitric acid, which is a colorless, highly corrosive mineral, and it's used as an oxidizer in liquid fuel rockets. They know that it can cause confusion and pain. So some people thought that this is what made the people do crazy, stupid things. Uh, Again, there's not evidence from the postmortem investigations that were done. There's no evidence to back that up. Again, would there be if the Russian government was trying to cover it up. Who knows? Another idea is that there was a Carmen Vortex Street, as it's known. <laughs> it's a little complicated, but basically it's a weather phenomenon that happens when air flows around blunt objects like small mountains where they were, and the air form, the airflow forms swirling vortices that can create high winds, which could have caused the hikers to panic. Like dust devils in our part of the world. Okay, so it made them rip out of the tent and run away. It made two of them come down here and start a fire and sit and freeze to death while they're, while they're watching looking. It? I don't buy I don't it. Get it. I don't buy it. Some people think that infrasound, which is a sound that is a frequency too low for humans to hear, was to blame. It's thought that infrasound can cause feelings of panic and dread in humans. And some people think that that's what caused them to panic. There's another theory called the inflow jet, 
It's a type of windstorm that can happen when cold air rushes down the side of a mountainside. Which I've actually seen. There's tons of theories. But when okay. you put all the evidence, it can, there's a ton of theories. Again, the most prevalent is probably the slab avalanche. It can explain the massive trauma. It can explain the broken ribs and the crushed skulls. It can't explain the eyeballs. And it can't explain how those people with the crushed ribs and the crushed skull can get up and run out of their tent. <laughs> and none of them can explain the radiation except for the rocket the, the the misfired rocket launch that right. one possibly could have uh there's the yeti theory yes. yeti sasquatch whatever you want to call it some you know being in the area well uh, look, that particular part of the country it's it's definitely yeti yetis are white they're abominable <laughs> yeah but i mean is it is there really a difference or are they not all the same it's just an unknown thing whether it's you call it sasquatch or sure. yeti or uh bigfoot well, that would definitely scare the hell out of them. I don't know how that factors into the radiation at all. Um, one, one more theory. Let me go through sure. this real oh, quick, and I'll turn it back over to you. Oh, the good. last one I'm going to talk about is called ball lightning. It's a rare atmospheric electrical phenomenon that can create floating balls of light that are sometimes reported to make loud noises. Some people think the hikers may have heard ball lightning, and that may have been what originally caused them to panic and leave their tents. Backing that theory up, Glowing orange spheres floating in the sky were reported in numerous cities within a hundred mile radius on that same night, the night before, or the night after. Uh, so, guys, there's a ton of theories, and here's the problem every single one of these can explain bits and pieces. There's not a single one of these theories that I've ever heard that could explain all of it, none of it, not a single one. The, the fact is, this happened in 1959, what, 41 and 23, 64 years ago. Uh, if we don't know the answer by now, which we don't, uh, we probably never will. Yeah, the final guy, that the guy that had to turn back because he the was tenth sick, guy. he yeah. just died in was it 2013. I think so. 2013, he passed away. So, ball lightning for... Ever since the Roswell incident, has been a has been linked to alien sightings. The government is various governments all over the world have tried to use that as a cover for alien lots ships. Of lots of stuff. Oh well, you saw something that must have been ball lightning. Sure, it's not that prevalent. <laughs> yeah. Ball lightning is a a um very 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 rare phenomenon it's just something convenient the government can say maybe exactly. it was this maybe it was that know. you know the lights in the sky over the cities in russia in today's world that's easy to explain away most of the time you know it's a ship it's a plane it's a whatever yep in 1959 not so much <laughs> We were just beginning to really take to the air in the early 50s, you know, yeah. with, with massive, you know, air, uh, uh, public transportation and, and stuff of that nature and the militaries. Um, but here's the thing with the military. Let me just pick some, of, pick some through some of these real quick. So if it's the military and they are rolling up on the mountain because they're looking for something, 
Um, one of the theories is that they had a secret base not too far from this area and that these guys got too close to the base and here, here comes the military out to shoo them away. I'm coming out of the front of the tent with my hands up. Not right? running away in a panic, <laughs> which would encourage soldiers to shoot you. You were in the spot you were supposed to be. You were authorized by the people who were supposed to do it. They had permits to go you there. You had to be permits there. to be there. Even if you did get off track a couple of miles in one direction or not, which they did not. When the searchers went to look for them, they were exactly where they were supposed to be. Yep. So I don't buy the military scaring them to the point or even physically hurting them intentionally. You know, the Russian military has always for gotten the bad rap for whatever because they're the Russians. But um, in this particular case, even if the military did show up, Hey, what are you doing? You know, you come out with your hands up out the front of your tent, running through the back, still going to get you shot. And if the military <laughs> did that, they would have taken the tent, probably tent and bodies. They would not right. have left all this evidence behind. Right. They just Absolutely. would not. So if the military was involved, I would go with the failed rocket launch. Right. At least that's the only one of these of any of them that explains the radiation. Right. Uh, tons of problems with it. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a failed rocket launch, you know, unless the rocket launch goes into the uh, nitric acid, highly corrosive, used as an oxidizer, it can cause confusion and pain. Not known quite to do the extent of people, you know, creating panic the way that it did among these guys, but it's possible. Uh, but again, in that case, what's going to cause the, the, the blunt trauma? What's going to cause the cracked skulls? If this is, you know, a failed rocket launch 50 miles away and a fog of nitric acid got to them. Right. That explains some of this stuff. It doesn't explain how ribs were injuries that it said were similar to that of a car crash. Which brings us to the next thing. Um, and the one that other than the radiation explains the most for me. <laughs> and, and I'm not afraid to say it because people on this who listen to us regularly yep. know that. They'll agree. That, you know, that they know who I am. So the Yeti part of this, I can't think of anything in the world that's going to scare the hell out of me more <laughs> than the growl of, say, a Yeti outside your tent or sticking it. Better yet, but if he unzipped the tent, put and you know, ripping the one side of the tent off and sticking his head or her head, it didn't, it wasn't ripped on two sides, right? So, you know, unzips it and or puts maybe his head in. someone unzipped it to look out and went, Holy crap, what's that? Right, or heard a growl, looked out and yep. seen this. Most people who believe in Yeti believe that it wasn't a Yeti alone, it was a mother with a, 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 a young, with its young. Because that is usually the only reason. Now, you're getting into a lot of people, and if you don't believe in Yeti, then you're not going to believe any of that. But in the wild, they are no different than anything else. When they feel that their children are threatened, they are going to be very aggressive. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what it was. The, the downside of that is, now, we can only have what the Russians allowed out, basically. Even the... Even the search teams were only allowed to say what the Russians allowed them to say. But there was only nine sets of footprints. There wasn't 11. <laughs> there is a woman still alive. I don't know if you saw this, 
who was part of the original first search party, who swears she saw 11 bodies. Really? 11 bodies. Wow. Interesting. And when they questioned her about it, it was this, I think I told you about the, uh, there was five students from Oregon University or Oregon State, one of the two, who had a psychology teacher. Now, I think uh, I started to talk about that and I deleted it. But anyway, this psychology teacher gave assigned this project to her students in 2008. It was about this incident. She didn't tell them what to do, but here's the Dyatlov Pass incident. And she wanted her students to do a project related to this. She wanted them to put themselves in the mind of these people and what could cause the panic that could cause people to leave everything, their tent, their clothing, their everything, everything that would give them safety and eventually die either from the physical injuries or from hypothermia. These people, these five students went to Russia and did a film, which is called Devil's Pass. Okay. Uh, And in that, they interviewed this woman that I'm talking about who swears that she saw 11 bodies. And they asked her, they said, well, there's only nine of these people. Everything the Russian government told us was that there was nine bodies. She said, do you believe what you're told to believe or do you believe what your eyes see? <laughs> so where do the other two come from? That's the question. Yeah. So, which brings us to maybe another theory. <laughs> so which is? this is 1959. Right. This is very soon after the Roswell incident. Some people believe that there was alien contact yes. there. And it, that would explain or could potentially explain the, the radiation, radiation. Um, and the, the lights in the sky, or excuse me, air quotes, ball lightning. Um, and it would explain the fear. Can you imagine? Possibly. Um, but even so, is it fear to make you leave every bit of safety that you have and run away barefooted, almost naked, knowing I mean, you were going to die, freeze to death within I mean, a few minutes? I don't know, man. I, I mean, how scary I, I, does it have to be, whether it's a Yeti or a UFO? It's got to be scary as hell for you to run away from something that might harm you into certain death. I, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Which brings us to one other obscure theory. We talked earlier about the Manasi tribes that are local there yep. and the fact that this was called Dead Mountain or the Mountain of the Dead. Um, one of the theories is, and it, I don't know where they base this on, <laughs> but I thought it was worth bringing up. It doesn't explain the radiation, but it does explain the fear. It does explain the reason you would hang out in the woods and kind of watch is some people theorize that ghost of the Manasi was actually the reason for this, um, that they got scared by ghost, literal, physical ghost. Again, if you don't believe in ghosts, probably not your theory. But if you were in a tent and you saw a ghost of an ancient warrior tribe, you would probably run and be scared of that as well. That would, that would be enough to emit, emit some fear. In the Devil's Pass movie, while these five went to this area, they tried to retrace the steps of this group. They went to where this group died and set up camp and spent the night. Uh, That night, 
late in the evening, one of them come to Holly. I think her name was the leader for this group. And he showed her his compass and it was sitting here slowly spinning. Oh, wow. And this guy had been through the Himalayas. He had been all over the world hiking. And he was like, I've never seen anything like this. And unless there's an extremely strong magnetic field, it should never do this. He said, right. the weird part is 30 minutes ago, right here, it wasn't doing this. Really? 10 or 15 minutes later, this other guy came to her on the and showed her the GPS on his phone. And the numbers were just going crazy. And he had this app on his phone that he could download the coordinates for the area he was in. And from that point, it didn't need cell service. It right. had, it, as it was downloaded. It, it right. was already downloaded. It was supposed to show him the GPS coordinates and had worked flawlessly all through the trip, even when they got here. But when the other guy's compass is not working, his GPS is no longer working. I, it's going with just crazy numbers. Wow. Isn't it funny how there's places in the world that that happens? Um, on random occasions, the Bermuda yeah. Triangle. But not all place, the time. It's one thing if it happens all the time. Right, right. How can it happen sometimes, not yeah. at other times? And then there's the place, the dead zone in Mexico, yep. which is just bizarre. <laughs> it just, we'll, we may have to cover that at some point because that is just really bizarre. Um, so, Jerry, as we get near the end of the podcast, what do you think? What do you think? What, if you if you no, if if someone know. held you down and wasn't going to let you up until you gave Dude. them your answer, what would it be? You know what I was thinking about when I was doing the research for this. What's that? I'm a religious person. Uh, when you read the Bible, God let Satan have a lot of power in this world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that if you believe the Bible and you read, th there's a lot of things that have happened that, that has no explanation uh, other than what it was. And I was just wondering if this is some otherworldly, and I'm not talking aliens. I'm just wondering if there was other powers involved. I don't know. None of these make sense. None of these explain it all. Not a single right. theory. Some of them will come close. We can say, yeah. When we start talking about Yetis, the problem is we don't know anything about them. Nothing. Right. We don't know nothing about them. So when we say they could do this and this and this, okay. Well, we think they could do. We right. think they could do a lot of it. They can't do it all. Right. Aliens? Well, hell, we know even less about that than we do the Yetis. <laughs> well, we just need to get the government archives. It, it's yeah. loaded with that information. Uh, I don't know. I really do not know. I know I talked to you. The most prevalent academic theory is the slab avalanche. The slab avalanche basically says it's not a regular avalanche usually occurs like on a really steep mountain. A slab avalanche can be on something as narrow as 30 degree incline. Right. And where they cut into the. That could possibly the, cause that. That caused yeah, where, a little where they bit cut of, into the, right. the slab to make to level the tent. Yeah. Uh, that could have increased the likelihood of a slab sliding down. But once again, if that were to start happening, it probably would be pretty quick. Uh, I doubt they would have time to get a mile away. If right. it was a slab avalanche, if anything, if you got out of the tent, you're going to get a few feet before and, it catches you. And if you have a massive cranial breach, <laughs> if your skull is massively damaged, you're not getting up and running away. No. And there's Any, no evidence of them being drugged away from the The avalanche tent. could do the massive physical injuries. It can't pluck the eyeballs. It right. can't. Take off the eyebrows. It can't cause radiation poisoning. I, I don't know. So that's my answer. What's your, <laughs> what's your thought process? The Yeti? Dude, well, when I first started researching this and the whole time that I. 
Sorry. Um, when I first when I first heard about this and when I first read it, yep. and for years and years, I thought Yeti was the best example. I mean, it would it, it definitely um, checks the fear box. Checks a lot of the boxes. It checks the the brutalness of the injury boxes. Um, it checks the um, I'm I, <laughs> Ramona is super needy today. She's making sure Jerry is paying attention to her. Um, it checks the it checks the okay. I'm going to run away to the woods and and I'm going to watch boxes. It doesn't do anything about their radiation. It doesn't do anything about the precision at which some of the parts were missing of these yep. people. So if you'd asked me that question two years ago or two months ago, Yeti's my answer. If you ask me tonight, I have no idea. Another thing the Yeti doesn't <laughs> answer is the guys who went a kilometer away, but not even into the woods, next to the woods, built a fire and stood and watched. Are right. you going to do that if a friggin' Yeti no, just tore up? I'm not going to stop buddies? running. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. stop running. Period. Till I die. Yeah. I would run until I die. You know, I, that's the thing. I don't um, know. I, it's it is a bizarre, bizarre incident. There are strange things that happen in this world. There is, and you know what's not strange? What is that? Listening to Ed Lock. Absolutely. Hi, this is Ed Lock with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. So, Jerry, this is book two of our book conspiracy two. theories. Um, where would people go if they wanted to give us an idea or want us an idea for something they'd like to hear us cover for book three? They can email us at newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. They can text us on our text line at area code 540-709-1318. I was just thinking, I don't know that we ever spelled this. And when we say Dyatlov, I don't know if a lot of people or some people, I'm sure most of them are far yeah. smarter than I. It's D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. Yes. If you want to look it up again, how do you spell it? D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. And that's the Dyatlov Pass is what it would be. Yes. The Dyatlov Pass incident. Um, I would encourage you guys to just do a couple hours research. Just read some of the things and the intricacies about this case. We may have missed something, but I think we covered the the, the gist of it. I think so. um, and it's just one of those things that just blows me away. Yeah. I, it just 
there's so many pieces and parts of this that it just it blows me away. It makes me say, "What the hell?" <laughs> well, it doesn't take much to make you say that, Jerry. <laughs> this is true. Very um, true. Uh, so this is getting down. We're also winding down our live episodes. Am I right? Yes, we are. Um, it won't be very much longer that we won't have live episodes anymore as we're going to be switching, uh, pod, uh, 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 podcast host. Thank you. Yes. Good gravy. Couldn't speak. So, um, but we enjoy this. We enjoy you guys, but we really feel that in order to make our podcast grow, we're going to have to, uh, make that switch so that we can have more consistent quality when we do uh, um, have live call-in guests, which we want to do that. And uh, we so, definitely do. Yeah. So we're just, it's just a step and a part of growth. So uh, a couple more shows, but we appreciate everyone that's listened tonight. We had uh, 16 different folks in at some point today. Very nice. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, we enjoy and love doing this and, as always, Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.